And they're just looking at me like I'm a baller. And what did I do? I spent $4. I made some phone calls and I got on my feet and I knocked some doors. Like you couldn't make easier money. I'm just saying. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, today I get to interview Courtney Atkinson. You know, Courtney got interviewed by Pat Hyben. He just said like five or six years ago, long time ago. Long time runs, ago. runs the Atkinson Group for EXP Realty up in you know, Southern Alberta, Canada, right? Mm -hmm. the, uh, yeah. Did I get that right, man? You got it, man. All right. So the so long time ago. How long have you been in real estate? Uh, about 13 years this year. Yeah. Yeah. So the... For... Is there a big difference in how the way real estate is done in Canada compared to the U.S.? No, not really. I mean, uh, realtors are realtors. The only difference is we can't have title uh, up here. I know a lot of my colleagues in the states own title companies. Um, you know, commissions are generally lower in Canada too. I know a lot of times the ends in uh, in the U.S. are three percent per side. We're closer to two percent in Canada. And uh, yeah, but aside from that, man, you know, pretty similar. We use lawyers for closing instead of title offices. Uh, that's really one of the bigger differences. But that's about it. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of states in the U.S. that use law lawyers True. for closing still. The, I think Ohio was one of them and the, I'm sure I'll be corrected by some of my listeners too, as I think. <laughs> there's yeah. a few out there for sure. Yeah. But the process is the same, right? The process to go get a deal, to get clients to like you and to continue succeeding. True story. I mean, one of the big differences though, is that Zillow hasn't really had a huge impact in Canada. Um, there's a few reasons that I could get into why I think that's happened. Uh, I think that's a good thing. And uh, so we've been able to kind of keep the cost of a lead down pretty dramatically. And, you know, PPC is still a pretty viable way for us to, to attract leads to our business as well. So awesome. So what made you first get into real estate? Well, true story, man. I used to work for uh, the University of Lethbridge. I was, uh, I was a manager in the human resources department there. I was doing great work or so I thought. Uh, was doing um, really recruitment for for the university, for faculty, bringing senior administrators from all over the planet, helping their wives and husbands get work, helping the kids get in schools, and then ultimately passing them off to a realtor. And I had done that for about three years, was doing a great job until one day, it was April 20th, 2007, my boss walks into my office and says, hey, Courtney, I think I might have to let you go. And I literally just broke down and started crying because I had like my entire life's trajectory mapped out, man. I was so disappointed and so shattered. And so I came home that day and, and told my wife, hey, listen, I got to come up with a plan B. I, I can't live a life where, you know, some dude can kind of shatter my future plans in a moment's notice. And uh, truth be told, man, I just started talking to people who were happy. You know, uh, it seemed like I was out of control in my work environment. And so I started to talk to people who were happy in businesses that I thought I could get into fairly quickly. So I talked to folks in insurance. I talked to folks in car sales. I talked to folks in real estate. And, uh, and frankly, I settled on real estate because those guys were driving the nicest cars. I mean, if I, I'd love to make it more complicated than that. I'd love to tell you that like, I loved houses and have been going to open houses since I was 15. And that was my passion. But fact was, is the barriers to entry were low. I didn't think that those people were any smarter, brighter, or harder working than I was, and they were driving nice cars. And so it was as simple as that. So, um, so I got my real estate license in fairly short order. 
and gave my resignation about seven months later and started full-time in 2000. I guess it was 2009. I started full-time. I did that part-time for most of 2008. That was right when foreclosures were. Well, buddy, I'll tell you what the, my boss came to me. He's like, Hey court, I don't know if you know what's happening in the world today, man, but it's a pretty bad time to get into real estate. And I was like, yeah, you know, I respect that. He's like, well, listen, if you come back looking for your job, you know, it's probably not going to be here. And so, you know what that would do to a guy like you or me? I was just like, yeah, awesome. I'm never coming back here looking for a job, man. Ever. I'll show you, dude. I'm not going to come back in. Dude, I was like so fired up. Dude, how about that? You're like, I thought I was doing a great job in my job. Oh, buddy. Right? Like I was having such a good time and I knew what my five-year plan was. I thought I was doing great until the moment he fired me. Dude, like this is why I I started bawling, like uncontrollably weeping. Okay. First things first, this dude's like six foot five, about 300 pounds. So he's a pretty, pretty intimidating guy, but I'm like 240, six, two, like I'm not a small person either. Okay. So I was like wickedly embarrassed. But the fact was, is that I literally had my next 25 to 35 years mapped out, man. I was like, I was this guy. This was my identity. My wife at that time was a professor at the university. So we had like envisioned ourselves being this like dynamic power couple, like taking over the entire institution, you know, and here I was, boom, just like that identity crisis. And so uh, I really wanted to do something where I could have freedom, where I could make a name for myself. And admittedly, Aaron, you know, during that time, there was a lot of ego involved. I had a lot to prove, man. And so, you know, all the things that come up for people that have ego and that are trying to show people what's up. I mean, that fire carried me for a lot of years, but it also burned me out. Yeah. The other... A fun thing about real estate, right? So the so you're looking at all these other places and you said, hey, low barriers to entry and those guys are driving the nice cars. One of the cool things about real estate is it's one of the few things where, so if if somebody owns this big fancy business, they own this big fancy software company, they're driving the nice car. You can't really go to work for them and get rich too. The promise isn't, hey, if you come work for me, right. you can drive a nice car later, mm-hmm. right? But in real estate, the promise can actually be, Come join my team and you can drive a nice car too. They could be like, like, oh, you love my life? Like, like so a lot of business owners can't throw Christmas parties at their houses because then people judge them because of the nice car, because of the nice yeah. thing. But in real estate, it can be, and come join me and this can be your life too. And there aren't very many jobs like that. No, it's true. One of the changes that I've seen take place over the last 13 years, and maybe you've witnessed this too, is that there used to be this culture of exclusion. Like, you know, even when I joined, I joined a team, uh, but I really still felt like an outsider. Nobody welcomed me in. It wasn't like anybody was giving me all the tools to succeed. I was like very much like fighting for my lunch every single day. And you're talking to these mature agents that you had respected before you got into the business because they were all over town. And and now they're like being really ignorant and rude to you and demeaning and disrespectful. And frankly, they're hoping that they can make you quit by treating you poorly. Like that's really what was happening. And the cool thing that I've seen transition over the years, and this is through my journey of being an independent broker, I had my own brokerage for three years before joining EXP is that now we have this like real sense of community. Like, you know, I'm literally giving it away, man. Like I'm teaching my team how to build a team. Like if I've got somebody on my team, that's an entrepreneur and that feels like they can build a 30 plus person team that can do the kind of deals that we're doing power to them, man. Like I want them in my network at EXP, obviously first and foremost, but I don't have the scarcity mindset around them taking market share from me. I'm like, Hey, listen, great, man, go do your thing. Like we'll dominate together. There'll be five realtors that'll quit because you'll take five realtors business. That's just the way that that'll be, you know? So I think it's a different vibe these days than it was 13 years ago. And I feel pretty great about that. You're totally right on the timing. So, <laughs> so you're, you're, you starting in 2009. So I was building houses in you know, oh three through about two thousand eight, and then the housing market, you know, crashing in oh eight. We lost our jobs, and then two thousand nine right. was the first time I bought a, a foreclosure to fix it and sell it, right? And 
And at that time, it was a very scarcity mindset. So I think part of, I think part of maybe, because I, I totally agree with you. I agree that that for many years in real estate, it was a scarcity mindset. I'm not going to tell you my secret. I don't want you to maybe take my clients. I don't want to tell you about my postcard strategy because there's a chance that they'll reply to yours right. instead of mine or ads or whatever. Anything. Right. And then, and even kind of when Pat started the podcast, <laughs> the, the, what we say at the beginning of the podcast is the secrets that agents usually keep to themselves. We talk about it on here. We yeah. share that. But I think so much of the world over the last few years in the real estate community, in, in investing in an agent, it has become this growth mindset of, hey, I can tell you all my secrets yeah. and, and, I, and you're not going to take away from me. Or there's plenty around, or if I give away, it's going to come back in. And that is a really cool kind of change in the industry over the last several years. I feel that 100%. One of the other things that I like about supporting people in this way is that you you also get to see who the implementers are because you know as well as I do. I mean, ideas are cheap, right? Like you can go online and by the end of this week, have 100 ideas of how to make $100 million. But here's the question, like who is going to wake up every day for the next 365 days over the next decade to execute one of those strategies, right? And you've done that and I've done that and other successful people in the space have done that. So the ideas aren't the aren't really the challenge, are they? Like the ideas are abundant. You know, you and I can build a new business starting tomorrow with ideas that we could find for free. But the question is, who's going to wake up and do the work every day for 10 years? I mean, it really takes 10 years to build a business, right? Yeah. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I wanna sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for 220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents, it's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. It's so much like our, all, every book that gets written, our book of how to buy foreclosures, it was every one of our steps in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember these people reaching out to me going, why would you tell other people how? Because, like, like, because some people just really just like any good book or business strategy plan, people are like, hey, here's how to do it. And there's plenty of times when people say, all right, that's cool, but that's really hard. So can you do it for me? Or can someone else right. do it for me? I didn't realize it was so, I didn't realize it was actually took so much effort. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, stuff takes effort. And ask yourself this question too. I mean, this is kind of the, the behind the scenes stuff, but like, dude, how many times have you almost been broke? How many times have you almost been divorced? How many times has your relationship with your children suffered? Your friends, you know, ha- have you really just fallen down and not sure that you're going to be able to get back up? Like that's the stuff that defines people. That's certainly the stuff that's made me who I am today that yeah. I'm really proud of. But dude, in those moments, I was shattered hundreds of times over this last decade. And, you know, I just committed to the process. I just said, well, hey, listen, I've made it this far. Surely I can make it through this day, this year, this season, whatever it is. And you just keep going because you fall in love with the journey. And I think that's the thing that I see lots more now is like people love the idea of wealth generation and freedom, uh, but they don't love the idea of committing to a process over a long period of time. It can sometimes be mundane. It can be risky and that you inevitably know you're going to fall down and fail a bunch, right? I, I think that's that's always been lacking. I mean, that's the thing that separated people from the win big and, and people that don't, right? Yeah. That's great stuff. What's something that you wish you would have known early on in real estate, like in your first couple of years, something you know now that you think every new agent needs to hear? Well, I think there's two things. I have, I have a piece of advice for somebody that's trying to build a team. And then I think a piece of advice that will serve some, some new individual agents. So for team builders, you know, I, I think that there's this common misconception out there that you can apply the same principles that you applied to attracting clients, sellers, and buyers to you as an individual, and that the mindset required to do that will be the same mindset required to attract agents and help them scale. And those two things are very different. You know, attracting a buyer and seller is one thing. It's transactional. There's a process involved, but there's a cultural element involved to attracting agents, serving agents, giving them the things that they need to win, and legitimately, honestly, in your heart, wanting those people to succeed and giving them opportunities so they can do so and expecting them to fail, wanting them to fail and supporting them through those failures and being one of their biggest cheerleaders. I think the thing that a lot of cheer- that a lot of team leaders do is they expect everybody on their team to be just like them, to hustle as hard and to know the things that they know. And they, they kind of, I, I like to think of it like this, they stand back and they kind of point their finger and they say, why not this? Why won't you do that? I don't understand. How come you won't call these leads? And the fact is, they're just not wired like you. So we have to do a better job. I think just accepting people where they are, seeing them in their space, appreciating them for who they are and supporting them in that journey. So I think that's one thing really that's just from me to we, right? Uh, from a team leader standpoint. The thing that I see lacking in, in independent agents, just the solo agent, is everybody seems to me to want to be a, a star on the internet before they just want to put in the hard work. Like I see a lot of people really focused on their image, you know, they're focused on the perfect, you know, outfit, the, you know, the, the perfect photograph for their Instagram. And they're, they're doing a great job posting loads of content, not necessarily compelling call to action content, but just like loads of image content. And they're thinking that branding is going to be the thing that's going to make their phone ring. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't work. But there's a proven strategy that worked 13 years ago, worked five years ago, and it works today. And here's what it is. Go grab a buddy at your brokerage's open house. Go use telelisting, circle prospect the neighborhood, run a simple ad a kilometer around that property for three or four days on social media with you talking about the property coming up. And then go door knock those freaking houses a couple of days before. Like that's a... That's like a $500 a year budget that you can use to make $100,000 to $200,000 a year, your first year in real estate. And I did that and I made that kind of money out of the shoot. But still, I think people want to focus on the easy stuff. Like they want to mash buttons on their keyboard, but they don't want to get out there and do the hard work like prospecting and getting hung up on, you know, or door knocking and worrying that somebody's not going to be polite to them. And I'm like, hey, listen, like I'll do that because I want to make the money so that I can eventually step away from that. Like I don't have to do that now. But the fact is I had to put in my time. I had to burn the soles off my shoes so that I could earn the right 
to sit behind a computer and build a business like I have. You don't have to do that forever, but I really believe that's the fastest way to success for a new agent. Yeah. Let's unlock that little kind of, you, you just gave a little checklist though of something that someone can take some action on pretty quickly. So it's like, Hey, it's good because hosting open houses is something that we've talked about as, Hey, when you're new, do it. And a lot of people do it. Uh, it's out there and we say it's, but you do it, you go through the process and you gather people. You took, you just took the open house idea though, too, of, Hey, you have a listing. Can I hold an open house this weekend? But now you're going to go record a video inside the house, walking through it saying, Hey, I'm going to be doing, holding an open house there this weekend. And here's what it's going to look like. And then you go run an ad on Facebook and Facebook will let you do a radius search, right? That says anybody that lives right around here, you want them to hit the ad. The reason that ad is so cheap, my understanding is because it is so like centralized. It's the only people that are going to get it are the people that are in that area. We're hitting a buck a day. That's all you need. A buck a day. And then you go door knock all those areas. They say that, you know, when we, when people are sending (laughs) postcards, we say, Hey, you got to send five, six, seven postcards because people need to see it so many times before they trust you before they believe you. But if they get the Facebook ad about this open house and they see the sign on the open house and then you happen to knock on their door, like they're like, they're blown away by it. Did I miss anything in those steps? Is that the problem? No, I mean, it's it's not rocket science, is it? But we're just talking about a systematized approach that really takes you from Monday to Saturday or Sunday uh, to do. You know, realistically, you're going to talk to the colleague of yours that's going to give you the open house. You're going to book a showing for Monday or Tuesday, go over, take a tour of the house, take a video of the property. You're going to throw that up on social, boost it until the end of the open house for the rest of the week, a buck a day on that radius, a kilometer, two kilometers around the house. You know, then you're going to go door knock the property, you know, make sure you're doing that after, you know, say five o'clock, five to seven, whatever it is, you get people at home. And the same with telelisting, when you're making those circle prospecting phone calls, you got to make them on off hours. You got to call people before work, or you got to call them after work. And then that way you're going to get them. Right. But the cool thing that people don't see is this, like, here's the thing. I've literally never had somebody rudely slam a door in my face. And I've literally never, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I have never had somebody rudely hang up on me on a circle prospecting phone call. And the reason why is that I talk about following through on a promise and delivering on a commitment. It's a simple script. Hey, it's Courtney calling from the Atkinson team of DXP Realty. Just wanted to say that I'm having an open house for a, a neighbor of yours down the street. I promised them that I would fall, that I would call everybody in the neighborhood and invite them to this open house. And I just wanted to follow through on that commitment. Tell me, are you thinking about making a move anytime in the next little while? Easy question, right? Yeah. And then we just ha- have a cert- have a nice dialogue. Oh, no, I didn't know that Bob was thinking about moving or what's the address or what time? Like these are always the conversations. And then the crazy thing is I show up on their door two days later at supper time and they're like, man, you're hustling. You know, my friend Mike is selling a house. You got to call Mike. And they're just looking at me like I'm a baller. And what did I do? I spent $4. I made some phone calls and I got on my feet and I knocked some doors. Like you couldn't make easier money. I'm just saying. Yeah. I really like that script. The, you know, I, I have this listing and I promised him that I would reach out to everybody in the neighborhood and I'm just following through on that commitment right now. Yeah. Cause nobody's going to, when it's like the, when you're getting the cold call that someone's like, Hey, I want to sell you this stock. And you're like, I've right. ne- I'm not interested. Those guys get hung up on. That's right. But you're like, but when, when it's like that friendly thing, it's like, they're, they're also rooting for you, right? If you're they saying, are. Like, hey, I'm following you on the commitment, they're like, cool. Well, you know what? I'll tell my neighbor about that one. Dude, That's because who good. does that, right? That's the question. Like, who does that? People with integrity do that. They make promises and they follow through in their commitments. And you're just putting it out there. You're just saying, hey, I'm that guy. You can trust me, right? Yeah. How yeah, many yeah. deals did you do this year? Uh, we'll do 550. We're, we're set to finish about 550 this year. That's crazy. What's your average sales price up there? 275 is where the, our team's at. Yeah. How big is the team? 
Uh, we're at about 32 licensed agents with five people in our boot camp right now. So we average, we take on between three and five people a month. About 50% of those people will get licensed and our retention's pretty high. It's about 85% of those people that get licensed will stay with the team beyond a year. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Mujistegi and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. You know, on an interview last week with agent Mark McGuire, I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was. And he said it was Follow Up Boss. And then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why Follow Up Boss was the best CRM he uses. So there's a lot of superstars out out there that use Follow Up Boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US. He uses Follow Up Boss to get a 400% ROI on its massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, uses Follow Up Boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses Follow Up Boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used Follow Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, Follow Up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out. Especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet, this will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. So tell me about your boot camp. So the so you're so you're and there so people aren't licensed yet. People express a little bit of interest in real estate, and then how do you say okay, you can join the boot camp? And then what's that? How long is that process? What's that process like? Yeah, great question. So the, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit. We we had a challenge when we were trying to grow the team. You know, one of the challenges was that we're we're big and we're aggressive and we're successful, and so we really weren't getting interest from other licensed agents. Even folks that were at it for a year or two, their first question was always, you know, what are your splits, right? And I thought, okay, if somebody's just asking me what my split is, it's the wrong question. We're never going to win that game. Uh, We need people that can do this, but that are going to ask better questions. And the questions that we want to have with people coming to our team is, how much money can I make my first year, my second year, my third year? What do your systems and support look like? And how will you guarantee me success, essentially? And we can deliver a lot of value to those questions. And so we've been doing this now five years, Aaron. What I started doing was, you know, kind of a, a very small kind of poorly articulated version of where we're at now. But uh, but now we have a whole funnel 
that generates leads for us, uh, for agents or people that are thinking about getting into the industry, people looking for career changes. You know, we target niches in the industry of people like right now, for example, tough time to be a police officer, for example. And a lot of times police officers can make um, can make great, uh, great agents. Same thing with teachers. A lot of teachers are being frustrated. A lot of nurses, as you can imagine. So we're, we've got funnels set up where we're attracting these types of people looking at getting into the industry. And then we interview them. Uh, in fact, I'm not really involved in the interview. I kind of like do a group uh, presentation and then there's an interview process, another funnel that they go through. And then my leadership team will choose uh, who's going to make it onto the team. So once per month, we start a new cohort. Typically, there's three to five people in each cohort. And then we have a series of about 11 hours of training that we run per week. And the bulk of what we have them do from the second week is prospecting into our CRM. So we'll train them our scripts, we'll train them our dialogues, and we'll get them dialing by day eight. And so we'll reward them financially for each appointment that they set for a licensed agent. Okay, so we'll give them a referral fee based on the appointment that they set that closes. And if they set, if they hit certain thresholds on appointments set per week, quality appointments set per week, we'll give them some bonus money for that as well. So generally speaking, the average agent that we have or the average boot camper that we have spends about 60 days in that boot camp. We also pay the $2,000 for their license. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll get them through that licensing period and give them some bonus money to sustain them through the boot camp. And then their contract commits them to doing so many deals with the team before they might have to uh, not reimburse us for some prorated amount of the money that we've given them during that time. And so we've had a great deal of success with that. We've had, I think the best we've done is one of our agents in his first six months sold 42 houses. He was in the oil patch working in a completely different industry, never in sales before that. We've had almost everybody in the team right now has been through that bootcamp process with the exception of one person, including uh, three of our four leadership team members. So it's been really, really good. It's totally changed the game for us in our business. Yeah. So they're prospecting. What are your two or three ways that your agents are getting their deals right now? Like what's the, yeah. what's the best way for an agent to get deals right now? Well, it's going to be different for an independent agent than it would be for our team. So I'll answer the question around our team. Uh, we have our, our agents come to the team with a list of 150 sphere of influence people, and we'll teach them tips and strategies on how to work that sphere of influence using social media and, and using uh, regular mail campaigns. Mm-hmm. So we want them to get those deals because they get a 25% bonus on their sphere of influence deals. So we really teach them out of the shoot how to do more business with friends and family and friends of friends. Okay, So that's the first thing that we're working on with them is letting those people know that they're in the business and effectively communicating that uh, through that bootcamp process. The scripting that we're working through as they're prospecting into our CRM, those are generally going to be PPC leads, but some of them will be past clients. Some might have come from radio. Some might have come from TV, the various ways that we uh, that we advertise. And so they'll just get in there and start dialing. And our expectation is that those guys are down two to three hours a day. So we'll see some people making, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars a week. On average, I'd say most people are about 150 uh, dials a week, generally kind of in that five appointment per week range. And, you know, realistically, for being honest, of those appointments, given a newer person's experience, two or three of them are good. And we probably close on one or two of those. Okay. But when you got three to five people in a boot camp, you're setting a lot of appointments. Plus the culture in our team is also one of prospecting and following up. So each of our agents is also in the CRM, except they're getting the new leads. Now our boot campers are processing leads that are more than 60 days old. 
but our new agents are catching those leads that are brand new. We got a five minute speed to lead a 10 minute or sorry, a 10 time and 14 day follow-up protocol. And then once a week after that for, uh, for two months. And then the boot campers kind of pick up after that. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a lot of stuff in there. So the pay-per-click ads that you do, are you running those in Google or in Facebook or where are you running them? We're, we're not running anything strategically around Facebook or Instagram. The cost per cost per lead there is still higher than what we're paying on Google. Um, we haven't reached the upper threshold yet where we frankly need to go to Facebook. You know, once we hit like, let's say $22, $23 a lead on Google, we'll probably go over to Facebook or Instagram. The cost per lead there is just so much higher. The quality is typically lower. Um, you know, as you know, like the thing with Google that's so great is that you can find people with intent there a lot more easily than you can with people on social media. It's just simpler. You know, you're, you're basically looking for Google search terms, right? So we, we find better leads, higher quality leads, leads with more intent on Google. And despite spending, I don't know what we're up to, 15 grand a month or something like that, we're still not near uh, the point of diminishing returns there on lead generation. So $15,000 a month running the Google ads. What do you think your cost per lead is on there? Oh man, I looked at this a little while ago. We're like 12, 13 bucks, something like that. A lead, I think. All right. Yeah. yeah so, the, so if you're, yeah. So if you're going to spend 12,000 a month, you're looking at a thousand. So you're, you're bringing in over a thousand leads a month yeah. um, on our, on our quick rounding math as I was trying to get close on there. So yeah. a thousand plus leads a month with that budget. And then you're getting, as soon as those are coming in, you're reaching out within five minutes and you're hitting them 10 times over the next 14 days. Yeah. So and our protocol is like this. So the lead comes in, goes on rotation to the agent who's up at that moment. If they can't get to it in five minutes, our inside sales team picks it up at six. Yeah. Yeah. The And individual agents that can do the same thing in their market. They may choose to, instead of spending 15,000 on leads, spend it, you know, spend a couple thousand. So it's just like the calls they're going to make. If, a, if, a, if an agent... Courtney's giving you guys some real numbers here that you can apply to your own business. You know, the his average person can do 150 dials, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do the pay per click, if you're going to pay, you know, essentially, you know, 15 bucks a lead as it's coming in, what is that? So 15 15 bucks a lead times 200 dials is 3,000 bucks, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, right. Something so that. the so you're going to do 3,000 bucks in leads. You're going to get 150 dials. And then, um, you know, you're going to get some appointments out of that. And then if you do a really good job, maybe it's one out of five appointments gets to turn into something like, and that's one deal thing. pays your three grand back. Oh man. That's the thing. Like this isn't hard work. Like the thing that I, that I coach on to my agents and to my coaching clients is, you know, we have these conversations like, listen, I've done hard work before. I know that you have too. I used to work in the woods, man, carrying a thinning saw around in the middle of nowhere. And I had to hike a kilometer before I could even turn the damn thing on, man. I know what hard work looks like. Yeah. Like sitting in a, in a, in a warm air conditioned or heated room, mashing buttons, talking to people on a phone, it's easy work for me. Going out meeting people that have intent to buy or sell real estate. That's easy work to me. It's not, it's not labor intensive. It's time intensive. It takes energy. It takes thought. It takes preparation, right? It takes mindset. That's one of the biggest things. It takes enthusiasm. Like you have to work on these things. But the fact is it's not hard physical labor. And to me, I'm like, hey, listen, that sounds like cake to me. So all I want to teach people to do is, hey, listen, like don't overthink any of this stuff. Like just get down to the basics. I mean, generating some PPC leads is easy. Following up with them 10 times in 14 days, not so much. Getting to them quickly, that's hard too, right? That's the hard stuff. But when you have the discipline to sit down each and every day and commit two to three hours to that, you're running a multiple six-figure business in absolutely no time. And you deserve to because you've been disciplined at your effort, right? Yeah. 
yeah, you're disciplined. It doesn't take long as you get to go, go through the process. And I love that you're easily to six figures quickly by following a straight. I mean, there's so many strategies out there. I love this strategy. I think it is a good one for people to follow. I like your description of hard work too. I remember the grew up doing construction on my dad's sites in Southern Oregon, where it was freezing, right? Building this hospital and it's, you know, five degrees outside while we're using hammers and nails and putting together these steel. You can barely move your fingers. Right. And you're just dreading it. You're dreading it. You get in the car and you have to turn on the heater for like 30 minutes just to be able to hold the steering wheel by the end of it. It's so like there. Yes. Hard work exists. And we love to say like, this is hard. This is hard, but it's really everything that we do in real estate. When it's buying investments at foreclosures, I tell people, here's the exact formula. It's a very simple formula. It takes the effort. You have to do all the steps. And the steps all take time, but yeah, calling somebody and even calling somebody and getting hung up on is way better than the, than working those winters out on the construction sites that change. I used to get so frustrated at my dad for, uh, you know, for, I mean, one thing it's like he created the job for me, but I remember feeling like I had to work and right. the, I didn't think that was so rare. And now in life, I, I'm so grateful because of how much it's put this other stuff in perspective. It's true, man. I, I think I think that's an important thing for all kids. I mean, I have young children. On the, you told me how young your kids are. Mine are, what, six, no, seven and five now. And my hope for them is that they experience that. You know, I went out and I picked, you know, vegetables by hand as a kid for weeks and weeks on end. I picked scooped blueberries, picked strawberries in the heat of summer. And you know, I've done all these hard jobs, man. And I know how difficult it can be to make a hundred bucks. Like, you know, and even to this day, right? Think like if, if it was a windy day and there's a hundred dollar bill blowing down the road, I'll probably chase it for a kilometer. You know what I mean? I'm not a runner, but like w- we know how hard it is to earn a hundred dollars. And when you appreciate the value of a dollar or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, you'll try to find easier ways to earn it. I promise you, but you have to, I think you have to have that experience, you know, so that you know how difficult it can be for some people. Cause there's lots of people out there still doing those jobs. They're friends of yours. They're friends of mine. We know lots of people like that still, right? Yeah. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break. Now you've been listening, you've been waiting, and now the big rent ready mystery can be revealed. Rent ready just launched rental property accounting for landlords. It's so new. I haven't even got a chance to check it out yet. Now you can easily connect your rental properties from rent ready to an accounting software created specifically for landlords with rent ready's newest partner, REI hub. Now I've used a lot of payment processing systems in the past, and it's always been a challenge even asking them to generate APIs so it can talk to our existing systems. And they're really, any type of software that collects payments doesn't make it very easily to do that. But now with Rent Ready, you can automatically transfer properties and charges from your Rent Ready profile. You can track your income and expenses with matching rules and payment templates to speed up your bookkeeping. View your profit and loss or cash flow by property or unit. Get your portfolio's balance sheet, schedule ease, and more. Guys, we're so excited about this. And here's something even more exciting. As always, with Rockstars, you get a special, special opportunity. If you're not currently using Rent Ready, you can sign up using our special code ROCKSTAR50 and get 50% off your Rent Ready subscription. Once you set up your properties, you can add rental property accounting as a premium feature. If you're currently using Rent Ready, go check out the new accounting features designed to save you time and money while you manage your business. And remember, it's Rent Ready with an I at the end. R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com. Thanks for listening. Go check them out. What's uh, What CRM do you use? We use Sierra. Yeah, we're raving advocates of Sierra. So what what is what 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 makes Sierra different or what is it? 
Yeah, we like Sierra because you own the website. It has a very effective and affordable dialer built in. You can automate lots of stuff. Not that we do. We don't advocate for much automation. We advocate for human contact. So our texts are manual. Our phone calls are manual. We don't drop voice messages automatically. We don't do any of that stuff. But it will do all those things. Everything's very easily managed. It's almost infinitely scalable. Uh, it records all your calls so that our sales manager can go in and support our agents who are having some trouble with their scripting. The reporting is tremendous. Um, it's great for, um, for aggregating leads from different sources. There's lots of APIs for different tools that you might be using if you have to integrate a Mojo dialer or you know, something else to it. There's a huge number of integrations available. Uh, not the least of which is uh, for a lot of uh, tertiary third-party products like Ylopo or whoever else you might be using. So it's just a it's just a fantastic tool for all those reasons. Yeah. What do you think the market's going to do over this year? Yeah, great question, man. I mean, so I, I want to preface this by saying in Southern Alberta or Alberta in general, it's been different than it has been even in the rest of Canada. And so, you know, for our listeners out there today, Aaron, let's just caution saying this isn't some sort of global prediction. I focus mostly on what's happening around me in Alberta and Southern Alberta specifically. So I, I see us staying in this type of market probably for the next two to three years. I don't think it's going to be as hot as it was this summer uh, with as many competing offers, but I think we'll still see some appreciation over the next two to three years. You know, just as well as I do, there's loads of liquidity in the market right now. There's loads more coming and uh, I don't see that dissipating anytime soon. I, I think at some point there'll be a point where we have to pay the piper, um, but I don't think that that's coming in the next five years. Um, lots of conversations in the U.S. and there's some really engaging stuff that I've been hearing about, you know, how how it's unlikely at this stage that we'll ever see repercussions in, in the inflation that we're seeing in housing or we likely won't see a dramatic leveling off. I don't really have enough information or enough knowledge around that, but the, the smart people that I'm talking to saying that we got probably a, a good 10-year run ahead of us here, maybe not as dramatic as what we've seen over the last year. In our markets, you know, we've been on a slide. We've been depreciating for about 10 years. And so we just hit the bottom of our market kind of right at the beginning of 2020. And then we started seeing for the first time, very measurable appreciation. And so I see that happening for us over the last five years, but realistically, I don't know anybody that can predict much more than three to five years out. That's really interesting. So in your market from 23, 2013 to 2020, you were still in a declining market. Yeah, man, that's the thing. It was crazy, right? Because we're so, such oil-based in Alberta, much like Texas, but okay. see, our Canadian federal government put so much regulation in place around mortgages to mitigate risk after the crash in 2008 that every time that we'd start to get a little breath, maybe starting to see the bottom of our market, they put in some new mortgage regulation that would cool down Vancouver, that would cool down Toronto, but it would be sweeping across the entire nation. And so that would put us into another extended slump for a half a year or a year. And then as soon as we'd start to kind of feel the bottom, you know, Toronto and Vancouver were still going crazy. They'd introduce another piece of legislation and that would slide us a little bit further down here in Alberta. But that wasn't the case in most other places in Canada. So we were kind of an anomalous market here. That's interesting how proact like proactive that government is, like how quick to act they are, because there are there are a lot of there are a lot of oil towns in Texas. Like so Austin has been the funny thing when I first started investing in, in Texas in 2015 was I was like, hey, prices have stayed the same here for 10 years. So slight upticks, very safe market to invest. And in. I started buying all these rentals out here. I said prices will never go up, but it'll be nice and stable. But during that time, right. And so I got super lucky, right? Hit the jackpot and and the and, it, and it's funny how it turned out. But there are a lot of these markets that are in kind of West Texas in these oil towns. They they have been declining for a long time, still de mm. you know, kind of declining up to the point. 
And, but it wasn't amplified by what you're talking about of, there hasn't been any action in the U S in the past right. seven years trying to slow housing. No, right? even so, more of a free market. Yeah. Since 2012, it's been free market for housing. They haven't said like, Oh, the market's doing too well. I mean, it was doing great in 2018. It was doing great in 2019, but they, they weren't trying to slow the market for sure. Yeah. I think one of the greater challenges that we saw in Canada, there was so much foreign investment in uh, in Vancouver and Toronto that those prices were, were really getting absolutely bonkers, like way higher, way more dramatic than a lot of places in, in, the, in America. So I can see why there had to be some some uh, adjustments made, but our our question and what we were putting forward to our federal government was, hey, listen, like it's clear that there's two places in this country that have a challenge. So why don't you put regional regulations in place to cool those markets and just leave us the hell alone because we don't need more throttling of what's already a bad situation here. Like we would actually like our market to be able to at least balance out. Uh, we don't need to cool it off. We could actually use a little appreciation. We were, you know, if you look at the ratio of rents to, to, to property values in our market. I mean, it's still incredibly strong. Like you'd be crazy not to own rental properties where we are, you know, you got a $275,000 house that you can rent out for like 2,500 bucks a month. That's pretty good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I need, I need more houses like that. There's yeah. Vancouver, they could have just made it Vancouver's problem. Vancouver is an amazing city. I, yeah. I, I visited there in 2017. And I remember thinking, how crazy, how much construction was going on, how many mm-hmm. cranes there were, how much stuff was getting built. And at that yeah. time, there was a lot of like newer construction that was empty. There was a lot of talk back then about how many foreign investors were buying the houses that had never seen them. Yep. The neighbors were wondering who, if someone actually owned them, there were security issues of like, does someone live next to me or not? All sorts of stuff. So I remember that happen, you know, hearing about that and then realizing that, yeah, when they, when they do the government... And really, our government right now in the U.S., they are doing some stuff that's sweeping regulation, maybe across other industries. And that's just such a good reminder that there are places and cities and certain job types. There are definitely every time that they're trying to do sweeping regulation in anything, they should be careful because there's plenty of industries out there that are different or cities that are different that they're going to be doing something really negative. And you're starting to see some of that with Biden, too. I know he's introducing some policies that'll have negative impacts for people uh, in the housing industry. Uh, but on the other hand, there's so much liquidity. I mean, look at what was, the, which, who was it, BlackRock or something that flat wrote 7,000 contracts for, for unbuilt homes yet. Um, yeah. No intent on selling them, no intent on renting them. They're just holding these as a place to park cash for now. I mean, there's so much of that happening all across America, Canada too, right? You know, we're seeing iBuyers, um, you know, step into place just as a place to park money uh, for for making their balance sheets look good. I mean, so so when you have that much liquidity and so much of those those monies being parked in the real estate space, uh, and you're thinking about how much more liquidity is coming to the market and how much more has to come to the market, I really don't see these things flattening out in the near term at all. Yeah, I I, I agree, man. I agree. The um, any last things that you want to tell all of our listeners the about real estate. I like to share three things, man. And it's the three things that I I tell new people that are getting into the industry. And I think it's a good refresher for all of us that have been at this for a little while is that this is not a super complicated business. It can be complicated if you build a team or if you get big, of course, there's more things to think about. But ultimately, I think success in real estate comes down to three things. And I tell every new boot camper this, and I remind our existing agents of this, that their competitors 
are challenged by this and this is an easy way for them to win. All you have to have is a bit of grit. And to me, grit's just waking up on a shitty day, you know, getting up and doing the work, no matter how you feel, no matter if you had your gym workout or not, no matter if you're dehydrated or not, no matter how you feel, just get up and go to the office. Even if it's a seven out of 10 day for you or a six out of 10 or a four out of 10 day, it's still better for you to be there doing something for your business. The second thing that we tell people that it takes to win big is heart. You know, I wander around in, in this uniform all the time that says pause, be love. Cause I, I just feel strongly that if we can just pour more love into people's lives, the clients we serve, our teams, our communities, that we get so much back reciprocally. And not that we do this for that purpose, but let's be honest, it feels really good. And when we're feeling good, we sound good, we do good, and we're more likely, more motivated to show up to work the next day. And that's what the universe needs from us more good, right? And then finally, I think if people would just be a little bit better at abiding by a schedule, like if I were to show you my phone, man, I mean, I, I got my, my life's booked out in 15 minute increments for the next 10 days, much like I'm sure yours is. Yeah. I'm just disciplined with time because it's one of the most precious assets that we have. And we see people kind of squirreling it away, frivolously being able to give time to this person, to that person, to this thing or that thing without thinking, oh my goodness, like I only have so much time to earn opportunities for me, for my family, to build something in my community, maybe to build a legacy for me so that I can have time freedom to do things that I feel strongly about. And if we could just focus on these three things, I think agents would be a lot less stressed. I think they'd be a lot less overwhelmed. I think they'd be a lot less concerned about the market and what other people are doing. And they could just focus on being themselves and doing great work and serving others. And I would just love to see more people doing that. Yeah, man. You and I, when we're looking at our calendars, like we were like, hey, when can we chat next? And we were chatting last week. And yeah, we knew there was there was two times that lined up because both of us, yes, yeah. our calendars are stacked. And when you look at mine, I love sending people screenshots uh, of my calendar when they're like, why aren't you getting back to me? Or they're like, why didn't we do it? And I just send them back like, here's my schedule today. Here's my schedule tomorrow. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. Right. Yeah. Like I'm scheduling, I scheduled 15 minutes to get a quick lunch into me today. Like, yeah. you know, you appreciate time, but look at what you've done. I mean, you've built amazing businesses and you've done so by being disciplined with your time. And that's the way it has to be. Right. Yeah. I love those life hacks that you got to end with. Courtney, people are going to reach out to you. They're going to hear about EXP. They're going to hear about your, your boot camp. They just sure. want to, you know, ask you questions. What's the best way people can find you? Yeah, just Google me or you know, Facebook me. I should say Facebook me, I don't mean Google. Just look me up on Facebook. It's spelled C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-A-T-K-I-N-S-O-N. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, both those names. On Insta, it's just Courtney underscore Atkinson underscore. Listen, there's a link there in my link tree where you can book free time with me. I'm happy to tell you all the same stuff that I've shared with you here. If you have specific questions about anything that I've talked about, I'm happy to give that away to you. If you want to talk about EXP, great. If you want to talk about my coaching program, great. Happy to do that too. But just know that uh, there's not going to be any invoices coming your way for those cool conversations where we just get to support one another. That's my vibe these days. I have lots of time to give away and I'm happy to do so. Man, well, Courtney, I think you gave away a lot today. This was a super fun conversation, man. The, we got For to sure. talk about all sorts of stuff. There was like so many actionable little tips in there. We were talking about running the Facebook ads. We were talking about how to make that phone call, You know, the PPC, how to generate your own leads if you're a single team or how you're doing it as you're building your team. Lots of cool stuff. It's really cool to see how well you've done up there. So thanks Appreciate for coming on the you. show today. Thanks for having me, man. You're doing such a great job here. The listeners get so much value from what you're up to, man. So thanks for including me in this. Really appreciate you. And thanks so much. Thank you so much. And real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. All right. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. 
Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.